Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? I'm your host Dana, or the DH case I'm known, and four films up for review this week. First off is the Agatha Christie whodunit, Death on the Nile. And then next there's a pair of romantic comedies, and that's a generous descriptor for them. It's Marry Me with Jennifer Lopez, and I Want You Back with Charlie Day and Jenny Slate. And then finally there's another Liam Neeson action thriller, Blacklight. First up is Death on the Nile, which sees Kenneth Branagh return to the role of Agatha Christie's detective Hercule Poirot. And I gotta say, I remember watching Murder on the Orient Express and being pretty underwhelmed by it. I had just read the book prior to seeing that movie, and so it was one of those things where, okay, I know who did it, and so now I'm just seeing how this goes as an adaptation. Well, Death on the Nile, I have not read or seen any of the previous movies, and so it was a little bit better for me in the sense of I was trying to figure out who done it as we went along, but... Very quickly into this film, I realized, not for me, I don't care who did it, because these characters are all terrible, which may have been the writing, may have been the casting, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, it's a it's a murder mystery, that's not a spoiler, that's just how these Agatha Christie books go. It's got an all-star cast with Gal Gadot, Annette Bening, Army Hammer, Letitia Wright, Russell Brand, Ali Fazel, Emma Mackey, Don French, Jennifer Saunders, Rose Leslie, Sophie Okendo, and Tom Bateman, and of course Kenneth Branagh is Poirot. And, you know, beautiful scenes for some of them. It's very nice. Egypt, yes, we see a lot of pretty shots of the Nile, but that doesn't make up for the rest of it. The mystery itself is, it feels dated, and you know, it's a very faithful feeling adaptation. I can't speak to if it's fully faithful because, I, again, I, as I mentioned, I have not read the source material. But I think there's a reason that people are drawn to evolutions and things that are inspired by Christie at this point, but maybe not Christie itself. And I think there's totally probably going to be a purist audience out there who enjoyed this film, but it's dated. There's no other way to say it. It's dated. I think they've tried to update it a little bit. I could be wrong, but you know, there's two black characters with Letitia Wright and Sophie Okendo. And I, you know, I think one of the other challenges for me personally, and this might not be a challenge for other people, but there are several problematic cast members in this. You've got a couple anti-vaxxers or vax questioners in Letitia Wright and Russell Brand. You may or may not have a cannibal in Army Hammer. You know, again, a lot of this, well, Army Hammer's thing is unsubstantiated. The vax, the vaccine status thing is uh, pretty open for some of them. And so for me, it makes it just very hard to watch because I'm like, I don't care what happens to you. I'd be fine if you got murdered. You know, that that's totally fine by me. Even though it's about their character and not their actual persona, but they are not good enough actors to make me care enough about their characters to overlook their personas. And then the other thing with a big ensemble like this is people don't get a ton of screen time necessarily. And then you've got some of the casting. I just, again, aside from the problematic people, like why is Annette Benning playing a British person? She's a great actress, but her, her British accent is terrible. I would say same goes for Army Hammer. His British accent is very lacking. I think the other thing that stood out to me is not feeling any sense of chemistry with these characters. And the thing about Death on the Nile is, and hopefully this isn't a huge spoiler, but, you know, it takes place under circumstances where they actually all know each other beforehand. I think a lot of that's the same for Murder on the Orient Express, but it just, it, they do not feel like people who have supposedly known each other for extended amounts of time. And I just, I don't remember Murder on the Orient Express being good enough to justify Kenneth Branagh getting to do another adaptation. It's just such dated material. Like, I think this is why people love something like Knives Out so much, because it takes the template and the inspiration from Agatha Christie and plenty of other whodunits, and, and it updates it. And in fairness, maybe in 90 years, you know, Knives Out will not hold up and it'll feel dated and all these things, but... At the same time, then hopefully somebody doesn't go and says, like, let's remake Knives Out. 
and this is the problem is that somebody has done a very faithful adaptation of a very dated piece of material and not done enough to make it compelling or interesting. So I fully acknowledge there's totally going to be some people who enjoy Death on the Nile, but if you are not already a big Agatha Christie fan, I don't think this is for you and maybe consider watching the other adaptation on it because at least you'll be like oh this was made in the 70s I can excuse some of it but I don't know if there's an excuse in 2022 although you know this film was made a couple years ago because of the pandemic it was delayed etc etc but anyway Death on the Nile is going to be a 2.9 out of 5 for me I'm going to take a quick break and be right back and I'm back Next up is a film called Marry Me, which is a romantic comedy just in time for Valentine's Day. And I say romantic comedy with a question mark or an asterisk. It stars Jennifer Lopez, Owen Wilson, Maluma, John Bradley from Game of Thrones, and also Moonfall last week, who I gotta say is having a okay double week run. Like good for him for having two movies come out within a week of each other. Chloe Coleman, Sarah Silverman, Michelle Buteau, and I guess technically Jimmy Fallon. I would say the other star of the film is Product Placement because this was just a giant commercial. It is based on a graphic novel, apparently, which I didn't find out till the end of the movie. And I was just like, what has happened here? What is this disastrous idea? I am very upset by that information. I, you know, wow, just wow. The premise is Jennifer Lopez plays basically Jennifer Lopez. She plays a big pop star and she is dating uh, the character played by Maluma or in the movie he's called Bastion. And, you know, they're both huge pop stars. It's going to be this big old event. This is all in the trailers, by the way. It's going to be this big old event where they get married, you know, live stream sponsored, blah, blah, blah. Uh, And then she finds out he's cheating. Again, all in the trailers, not a spoiler. Uh, And so she decides to randomly marry Owen Wilson who happens to be in attendance at this event and has a sign that says marry me marry me is going to be the name of their single that they were about to perform just on a scale of one to unhinged the premise is truly unhinged and I think this film could have absolutely worked if the setup except for the getting legally married you know to a complete stranger thing had worked like I would have I think there's a world in which this film could have worked where she gets stood up at the altar performance, whatever you want to call it, and then happens to meet Owen Wilson outside of that. And he happens to have been there. You know, it's just whatever. But this is just so absurd and upsetting. Just does not give me any grounding things about them. And I know it's a fantasy, essentially. But my God, like you need something to grasp onto. And then by the same token, okay, if if they had chemistry... I'd be like, okay, I guess that's what we're grasping onto, but they do not. Jennifer Lopez is trying, and I will fully acknowledge, I'm a fan of some of J-Lo's rom-coms. Like, I think Made in Manhattan is a great film. Well, great is being generous, but, or The Wedding Planner. Like, I, she can do this role, and I think she's trying, but I just, I cannot see her and Owen Wilson together. Like, he is phoning it in so, so hard. And also, oh, this is such a, it's not a nice thing to say, but it is very challenging watching his nose mash into her face. I just, you know, shallowness aside, there's also his personality in it. It's fine. You know, he's very vanilla, for lack of a better word, but there's nothing about it that makes me go like, yeah, these two characters belong together. Also, I there were moments of the film where I felt like it was, it's, it's directed by a woman. Two of the screenwriters are women. But I I felt like there were weird moments of misogyny in some parts. And I think they were trying to actually be pro-feminist with those moments. But they did not come off successfully. You know, it's 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 about the double standards and all that stuff. But I just, I it was not well done. And then again, as I said, the final star of this film is product placement. There are legitimate ads for things like Vitamix in it. And they keep coming back. And then there'll be like a random line thrown in about, spot, you know, some sponsor. Like, hey, use this service or this. Oh, I'm doing this on this. I'm like... 
It went from being maybe funny as a gimmick or a joke that they doubled down on to being kind of scary and upsetting because you're clearly not in on a joke. This is the only way this movie was getting made is if these companies paid enough money into it for them to get the budget done. Because if I saw the screen tests of this, I would have been like, nope, never mind, shut it down. But you know, that Vitamix money coming in. So, oh, also, in addition to being a giant commercial, there are a bunch of new songs for it. And you know, Jennifer Lopez has had some bangers as well, in addition to her illustrious career as a romantic comedy star. But the music in this is, it's not good, and you are forced to sit through several songs. And at a certain point, I'm not gonna lie, I started fast forwarding. You know, lots of auto-tune, and there's nothing wrong with auto-tune, but oof, it was just, the, the songs are not good. Also, oh, I'm just gonna keep ranting on this. Jennifer Lopez is a gorgeous, gorgeous woman. And somehow the costuming and some of the makeup in this made her look less attractive than she is as a person. And I just, I could not stand for it. So as a combination of all the things, this is a woof from me. The good news about Marry Me is that it's available on Peacock. It's also out in theaters technically, but if you already have Peacock, it's technically free to you. Please don't go pay money for this. I'm sorry. Like, I just don't support this unhinged portrayal of romance in a modern era that's I, I we as humanity deserve better than that so i'm gonna give this 2.4 out of 5 and then just in case you thought you only had one option for romantic comedies this weekend no no amazon prime is here with i want you back another semi-unhinged but less unhinged romantic comedy and again i'm saying romantic comedy in quotes because uh, neither of these films felt like they had romance or comedy. I would say I Want You Back has a bit more comedy, but it's not that funny. So the premise is it's Charlie Day and Jenny Slate, and they are both respectively broken up with by their significant others, and they end up meeting, you know, through their misery, and they form a plan to get their significant others back, and they're going to help each other out. And the cast is rounded out by Scott Eastwood, Manny Jacinto, Clark Bacco, and Gina Rodriguez, and... Again, I think the word of the day is chemistry because didn't feel any from anybody in this as well. I, you know, there's a little bit of friend chemistry. I think that works well between Jenny Slate and Charlie Day. But I, I felt like I was hostage on a ride and I was not enjoying it. I didn't feel like I was shipping, for lack of a better word, any relationships in any of these films at this point. You know, I, I just, there's something to be said for performers having chemistry that can allow you to overlook a lot of flaws. Like, in fact, most romantic comedies are so flawed, but you care about the protagonists enough that you're willing to overlook them. Like, things like Notting Hill, I would say, are a good example of, like, this is, in fact, Notting Hill is a good parallel to something like Marry Me, right? Where it's like, oh, it's a super famous woman and just an average Joe guy, but they somehow make it work because they have chemistry and you're rooting for them. So I want you back. I'm not rooting for anybody in this. You know, I, I get, I think it's more grounded in the sense that, yeah, when you break up with someone, there are moments you go through where you think that it's the worst decision ever and you want them back, whether or not they are invested in the relationship anymore. So that part of it, I get, I connect to. It's easier to connect to than something like marrying me. But by the same token, you just... I don't, I don't care. Their partners are happier with other people. Why are we supposed to root for them getting back together? And then, of course, we're not. We're supposed to root for them getting together. But, you know, their relationship is, feels more, much, much more platonic than it does romantic. And they actually sort of touch on that a little bit in the film. You know, they're like, oh, you're a slow burn versus a, a, a hot, spicy romance. But that does not work super well in an hour and 51 minutes. 
you know, if you span a lot of time in it, maybe there are ways to do it. This film doesn't do it successfully. So again, so again, the best news I have about I Want You Back is that it's streaming on Amazon Prime, so you don't have to try and go to a theater to see it. Maybe it's a fine background watch, but you're not, it's not a memorable movie. It's not going to be like, oh yes, this is a love story for the ages. I don't even think you'll feel any sort of warm fuzzies during it, but I could be wrong. So for me, I Want You Back is going to get a three out of five. And then finally, shifting gears completely, we've got Blacklight, which is a Liam Neeson movie. Liam Neeson, what are you doing these days? You know, I, I get it. Taken was a phenomenon, did really well, but he has just been doing these Xerox copies of it since that just get less and less compelling. And Blacklight is no exception. He plays a secret agent dude who's dealing with all of these clandestine operations involving subterfuge in the US. And somebody wants to be a whistleblower and go to the press and all this stuff. But then Neeson also wants to form a relationship with his daughter and granddaughter and all these things. And then he's driving and shooting and blah, blah, blah. It's just, uh, <laughs> you know, it bad. It bad. There's no other way to describe this movie. It's bad. The action is not fun. The acting is not good. The, there were there were a few moments of such wildness that I thought, okay, maybe this could be a sort of Nicolas Cage esque classic film. There's a couple of moments between Liam Neeson and the girl who plays his granddaughter that ended up feeling kind of funny in that he's talking about like doing activities with his granddaughter that uh, are more secret agent oriented than maybe should be for a, an elementary school kid. And I was like, okay, you know, this could be funny. No, we're not going to we're not going to keep going with that. We're just going to okay, we're not we're not going with it. I you know, I would say watch Taken again maybe, but please, dear god, don't waste your time on this. It is so derivative of all of his other stuff. There's there's nothing to grasp onto in this. And I want to be clear, I'm all for this genre of I would say slightly older men uh becoming action stars as a reinvention of their career. Look at Keanu Reeves and John Wick. I mean, as much love him or hate him, like Tom Cruise is getting up there in years. He's not old, but I'm just saying like, you know, he's still doing action movies. I would love to see the same be true for women and them given opportunities. I would say Charlize Theron is doing a great job. She's not nearly as old as these gentlemen, but you know, she is still kicking ass. So the genre itself is actually, it can be really fun, but it still has to have a plot, just a mild plot even, and compelling characters and all these things. And Blacklight does not have that. You know, I'm glad for him in that he got a paycheck off of this and hopefully he can do fun things with his life, but don't waste time out of your life on Blacklight. I am only going to give this one out of five. That has been it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, we would love it if you could leave us a rating or a review or even consider subscribing.